We're going into the Old Testament today, to the book of Ecclesiastes, where the wise preacher, the Kohaleth, calls an assembly. Who is this preacher? Probably King Solomon, given that Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom. He assembles the people together and he preaches to them. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is where we pick up today. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 from verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how will they keep warm alone? Though one might be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Well, good morning, everyone. My name's James. I'm the pastor here at Turngabe Baptist Church. It's great to be opening up God's Word this morning. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Um, I'd love to get, you, get, to know you, get, love to get to know you after the service. So grab your Bibles. Um, you're going to need them open. We're going to be covering a lot of territory today. Um, and I'm not sorry about that. I think it's actually really good for us to get deep into God's Word. And so we're going to be jumping around a lot. So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16. Get that open there as I pray. Um, what we're doing is we're doing a sermon series at the moment called The, the Gospel Ripple. Um, generally our bread and butter is we preach through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at topics. Well, we looked last week at hospitality. Today, we're going to be looking at community. And then we've got two others over the following weeks. But please keep your Bibles open um, as we come to this passage today. It's a big topic, so we've got a lot of country um, to cover. So let's pray and ask God to help us um, today. Father God, we give you thanks for your word. Um, Father, I pray now that your word will challenge us, it will change us. And Father, as we look at it, may it grow us to understand and to know you better, to know who you are, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And yet how that then, in light of the gospel of what Christ has done, that you will help us to know what it looks like for us to be gospel communities. And so, Father, I pray that you will work in us deeply today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of you are probably wondering why I've got a plan at the front. But on the 7th of February this year was my induction service. And guess what you did? You bought me presents. You gave me heaps of great things. You gave me a Broncos jersey. And something you gave me as well was you gave me this plant. It's called a peace lily, I believe. Now, this peace lily sits in my office. Now, you probably thought I was a green thumb and I love gardening. And when it comes to gardening, you need, you need to do plenty of things, don't you? You need to water, you need to fertilise it, you need to look after it so it flourishes. Now, if you have a look at this plant, there's something about this plant that's it's actually doing pretty well at the moment because it's been about four weeks since I've watered it. But one of those things I do, this sits in the office gets to about four weeks and it starts to droop and I decide I better go and water it. It gets to five, six weeks and it's really droopy. And guess what I do? I want it to survive. So I'll go and get like two litres of water and I drown it. Sit it in the sun for a day and this plant sort of, toof, it comes back to life for a day. Four weeks later, it um, 
starts to drip again. And the ladies in the office say, hey, James, would you like us to come and water your plants for you? And it's like, oh, you can this time. And then next time, oh, no, no, I've got this all covered. And it's about six weeks and the plant's droopy. And so I get two litres of water and I just dump it, put it in the sun. And it comes back to life for a day or two and then it slowly droops. I don't know about you, but that's my, that's my gardening experience. It's sort of, I do these little things hoping that it will have a long-term effect. So that this plant will flourish for a moment. But when it comes to gardening, for a plant to flourish, it needs more than just six, every six weeks to get water, doesn't it? You need to fertilise it. You need to care for it. You need to actually do things that help it flourish. So there's my plant. But I wonder today, if, I, if I'm to ask the question, do you want to flourish in life, what would you say? I'd imagine in a room like this in 21st century Australia, if I said, do you want to flourish? Most people would say, yeah, I do want to flourish. Maybe you want to flourish in your job. Maybe you want to flourish in your marriage. Maybe you want to flourish you know, with your, your kids in sport. But I wonder if I was to ask a room here today of followers of Jesus. Most of you are followers of Jesus here today. If I was to ask you, do you want to flourish as a Christian? You would say, yes, hopefully. I wonder as to flourish as a Christian, you'd think, I want to become more Christ-like. I want to grow. I want to mature. I want to see God at work in my life. And I think we love the idea of becoming more like Christ. I'll put up your hand. I don't know. If, you were, if I was to ask you, put up your hands. Darren's put his hand up. Put up your hands, those who would love to grow in their understanding of God. Well, that's wonderful, isn't it? We'd love to grow in understanding. Who would like to grow and become more like Christ? There we go. Put up your hands, those who want to have their failings and their weaknesses exposed. That's interesting, isn't it? Put up your hands, those who want to flourish by having their sin exposed in their life. If you don't want the last two things to happen, you're either going to need to live in isolation and distance yourself from the people of God. Because you won't flourish in isolation. We flourish in community. Maybe you're, 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 you've got this idea in life, you go, well, maybe I'm like James and his plant. If I just tap in for once every six weeks, get that quick top up and hopefully I'll come back to life for a few moments and go back into the world and just keep doing life. And then every six weeks I pop in, just get refreshed and hopefully I'll flourish. But I think eventually if we were like that, I can tell you eventually this plant probably... <laughs> not going to survive unless someone else takes action but the gospel the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that through his life death and resurrection the good news of Jesus who is seated at the right hand of God the Father this good news changes everything it changes the way you view yourself and the way you view others last week we saw love of stranger this week we're going to see community gospel community the gospel creates community and it gives us community the gospel creates community and it gives us community see when you isolate yourself from the community of God's people you will eventually just become a worse version of yourself if you isolate yourself from the people of God you will just become a worse version of yourself Sin will grow. You'll become more unaware of sin in your life. Sin will just become dull. You'll, you'll have a seared conscience. 
But today, I want us to grasp the importance of gospel community. But for us to firstly grasp the importance of gospel community, we've actually got to understand and grasp who God is. We actually need to understand who God is and who He is. And, and who is He? Well, we, we use this term often to refer to God as the Trinity. Now, it's a big word. But we actually need to understand the Trinity to actually understand community. And what is the Trinity? Well, the Trinity is talking about God. That there are three persons in the one true living God. There is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are same substance, but they're equal, and they're also equal in power and glory. It's three in one. Now, sometimes as we think of the Trinity, we think of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Maybe we get tricked into thinking, or maybe God the Father's at the top and then there's the Son and then there's the Holy Spirit. But actually the Trinity is equal in power. They are equal together. The Trinity, they seek, they are always seeking to serve the other. They're always seeking to give. They're always outward looking. God has always existed. So hang here with me for a moment. God has always existed. He existed before the creation of the world. So he existed before we were around. Was he lonely? No, because of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. They were eternally in relationship with each other. Three in one. This is who God is. He's a relational God who seeks to serve the other and give to the other. Always outward. Now in Genesis chapter 1, God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, it also says, God says, let us. Isn't that interesting? Let us make man in our image. See, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. And yet he created mankind to be like him, right? In relationship community and then God created Adam but then what's he say about Adam it's not good for Adam to be alone and so he creates Eve so we we as humans are built for relationship and so we find ourselves in the garden of Eden with God in relationship with the creator of the universe who has existed eternally and then what happens we sin and we say God sorry we don't trust your word, we trust our own. And what is the result of the fall? What's some of the results of the fall? Our relationships are broken. We break a relationship with God, but also our relationships on a horizontal level are broken. But not only that, are we got broken relationships, but now instead we're prideful and arrogant. We want to have everything. Instead of giving, we want to be given to. Instead of wanting to exalt God, we want to be exalted ourselves. Instead of being real, we want to be shallow and fake. And that's where we are. So it's important for us to actually understand who God is and to understand what's happened. So have a look at John. I want to, I want to see the beauty and the wonder of the gospel. I want you to see the beauty and the wonder of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Have a look at chapter 15, verse 26. This is Jesus speaking. This is just so we can understand how this all fits together. When the advocate comes, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit here. When the advocate comes whom Jesus will send, 
to you. Where's it come from? It comes from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who gives out from the Father, who goes out from the Father, and He will testify about me. The Spirit will testify about who? Testify about Jesus. Now jump down into chapter 16. This is really important. Jump down to verse 13. Hang with me for a moment. But in verse 13, but when he, that's the spirit, the spirit of truth comes, the spirit will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will, what's the spirit's job? To glorify Jesus. Because it's from me that he will receive that which will be known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known. Do you see this dance that's going on here? The Spirit comes, it's sent by Jesus, but it comes from the Father. The Spirit testifies to the truth, but it also wants to glorify Jesus. Have a look at chapter 17. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. See, Jesus says, glorify me. Glorify your son for what? So that you may be glorified. That your son may be glorified for you granted him authority over all people. So there's this, the Trinity is constantly serving the other. It is The Spirit gives us eyes to see Jesus and it's through Jesus that we have access to the Father. It's the Spirit that glorifies Jesus. So when we glorify Jesus, guess what's happening? Jesus is glorifying the Father. They are constantly working, never seeking their own interest, but seeking that of the other. They are constantly giving. And the gospel changes everything because guess what the gospel does? It brings you and me into that relationship. Gospel community is reconciled community. Reconciled is the exchange of hostility for a friendship. We were God's enemies. On the screen, if you want, there's going to be Ephesians chapter 2. You're going to have to jump to Ephesians chapter 2 if you want. You can. Ephesians chapter 2. And what I want us to see is not only, we, are, we are a reconciled community. We're reconciled vertically. Have a look at verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them. That's all of us as well. At one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. But, what a beautiful word, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, what's he done? Do you notice it's you don't make yourself alive? God made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. While you could do nothing, you were dead. Who can raise themselves from the grave? No one. It is by grace you've been saved. And look at this next verse. This is a glorious verse. Now, this is not present tense. This is past. It's happened. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, that's amazing, isn't it? 
right now, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are sitting in the heavenly realms at the right hand of God the Father. Wow. We've been brought into that through Jesus. Not only have we been vertically reconciled to God, but actually what we're going to see now is we've actually been vertically reconciled to each other as well. See, verses 11 to 22 of Ephesians chapter 2 speaks about the horizontal reconciliation. Have a look at verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 2. For he himself is our peace. That's Jesus, who has made the two groups one. Now, in, in, in this, this time when this was written, the Jews and the Gentiles were people that really didn't like each other. They could not picture themselves hanging out together. They couldn't picture themselves doing anything together. And yet here, Jesus has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier and, divide, and the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus has broken that wall of hostility. Verse 18, For, though, for through him... We both have access to the Father by one spirit. Do you notice that, that none of you have access to the Father because of your skin colour? None of you have access to the Father because you're morally righteous or self, you think you're self-righteous. No. The Spirit gives us eyes to see Jesus and it's through Jesus we have access to the Father. See, we are reconciled horizontally. See, we are a community that knows it's been saved for community. Do you understand that? We've been saved for community. Now, maybe for you, the reason you followed Christ was you wanted to get out of hell free card. Maybe you're going, I need to just get my, jail, my ticket out of here. And so you've trusted in Christ. But do you actually see it's so much bigger We've actually been reconciled. We're seated in the heavens with Christ. It's so much bigger than that. We're reconciled to God, but we're also reconciled to each other. That's God's good design for us, to be in relationship with God and to be in relationship with each other. In a way, what's it a return to? What's it a foretaste of? It's actually it's like a return to the Garden of Eden. It's a taste of what is yet to come in the new heavens and the new earth. But did you notice there that we, as a gospel community, we are all equal? There's no one who is different. The, the, the playing field is absolutely leveled. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white. It doesn't matter whether you're a tradie or a lawyer. It doesn't matter whether your kids go to a private school or they go to a public school. It doesn't matter whereabouts you fit on the, the socio-economical pipeline in life. It doesn't matter. We are all equal. And we're all equal because we're united by Christ. We're all equal because of Christ. We're reconciled to God and to others through Christ. Therefore, none of us can boast in this community. None of us should think more highly than we should. Have, than we should. And if Christ has done it all, what does that mean a gospel community needs to be centred on? It needs to be centred on Christ. So gospel community is reconciled community, but it's also humbly gives. Gospel community is humbly giving. It humbly gives. As you jump over to Ephesians 4, we read these words. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live 
He urges you to live in light of your transformed life. He urges you to live in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In light of chapters 1, 2, 3 of Ephesians, he says, live a life worthy. Verse 2, be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. Jump down to verse 7. But to each of us, grace has been given. We've all been given grace. As who's apportioned it? Christ has apportioned it. We are a gift to the church. Christ has apportioned it. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's not that you've decided where you fit in. God, Christ has done it. Therefore, we are a body with one. We are we are body. We are a body with many parts. We play many parts in this body. We're, we're different. We've all got different gift skills. We come with different things that we bring to this body. But we don't hold it back. We actually humbly give it out. See, not everyone is going to preach. Not everyone's going to lead like Brad at the front. We're all going to play different roles. But why do we play all these different roles? Why do we humbly give? Because in Ephesians chapter 15, it says we speak the truth in love. Why? So that we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Why? It's so that we mature in Christ and we become like Christ. That means I need you. And you need me. It's a beautiful picture. You need me as we freely give of ourselves to serve one another. And I need you as we freely give of ourselves to serve another. It's a beautiful picture of serving. We see that in God the Father, God the Son and God the Spirit. But it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, if you go back to verse 2 of chapter 4, you know, humbly, be humble, be patient, love one another's. Now, have you ever thought about those verses before? Can you live out those verses in isolation? You can't, can you? Like if you want to shut yourself off from the community of God's people, be completely humble, gentle. How can you be gentle if you're on your, you know? How can you be patient? How can you bear with one another in love? How can you learn to bear with that, you know, that, that family that their kids come and annoy you after the church service? If you isolate yourself from that, how can you learn to be patient? When we choose to isolate ourselves, if we choose to, you know what, I'm, I'm going to step back from a while from the church community or life groups. As we understand the gospel, as we understand that we're a reconciled community who humbly gives, do you realise that as you pull back, you're robbing yourself? You see that? See what, see what Paul's, he's saying, you're going to rob yourself. But not only are you going to be robbing yourself of flourishing and to become more like Christ, not only are you robbing yourself of that, but guess what? You're actually robbing from others. You see that? If you need me and I need you and you decide, you know what, I'm not here for this, 
not only are you robbing yourself of flourishing, but you're actually stealing from others. Men, it is tempting, isn't it, to sleep in? But why don't we be men who wake up, grab our Bibles and bring our family to church? Because in that moment, that morning, when you go, no, I think I'd rather sleep in, or there's a good footy game on TV, you're actually robbing yourself and you're robbing your family. May your family see you giving of yourself humbly. May they not hear the words out of your mouth going, I don't like doing that job in the church community, it's too tough. If you're single, don't rob others, but come. You add a great diversity and depth so that I can mature in Christ. And if you're, if you're a wife, make it easy for your husband to do it. Gospel community, but gospel community is also connected caring. Humbly giving, but it's connected caring. And as we come, I think as we come to read the Bible in the 21st century, we need to be careful how we read it. We need to take the sunnies off. Often I drive along with my set of Oakleys. I love driving, but they're always dirty. So what do I do? I say to my wife as I'm driving here, could you clean my sunnies so that I can actually see the road? But I think we've got to pull our sunnies off. We've got to pull our, our glasses off and actually clear them of the lens of individualism in the 21st century. Because we have been brought up, whether we like it or not, we've been brought up to see the world from an individual perspective. We see it all surrounding us. And when we see a you in the Bible, we go, oh, that's me. But often it's actually speaking to the community. We've lost a sense of community in our 21st century individualism. And so we need to clear our sunnies. We need to clear our glasses and to see that we don't want to be a culture of individualism because that's the world is teaching us that. But we want to be a culture of community. There's a difference between a community and a club, isn't it? A club is really self-interested. You know, if you like golf, it's only golf players who join a golf club. I'm not going to go and join a golf club. It's going to not serve me in any way. I want it to serve me. It would just be terrible. It would be boring. <laughs> but a community is different. Have a look at Ecclesiastes, that passage that, you know, that wise teacher, that wise preacher, he shares with us, he says, do you notice that this speaks big words into our culture where it says two are better than one? Whereas our world says, no, you can go and do whatever you want. You accomplish your dreams and your aspirations. But see, Solomon, if Solomon wrote this, which we believe he did, it's, he's saying two are better than one. Have a look there, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return. Two are better than one because it gives you a good return. Now, let me tell you, this is not a passage for weddings. Right? This is a passage for community. Two are better than one. Why? Because they get a better return. Verse 10. Not only do you get a better return for two for one, but it actually helps you in difficulty. Verse 9. Sorry, verse 10. If either of them falls down, what do you do? You help the other one up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. This is a beautiful picture of helping in difficulty. What a wonderful thing for a gospel community. But also it actually comforts you in trolls. Have a look at verse 10. If either of them 
Sorry, verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now, you blokes here, can I tell you what this passage is not saying? Right? It's not telling you to go home this afternoon, sit in front of Netflix and cuddle up to your wife or to your girlfriend and keep her warm. This passage ain't talking about that. Right? It's actually talking about the wilderness. Whereas in the ancient world, if you went out in the wilderness, it's warm during the daytime, but at night, as the sun would come down, it would become cold. There would be enemies who could come and attack you. And so what it's saying here, it's actually protection. It's actually comfort. And they would get back to back and they would keep each other warm. See, two are better than one. You keep warm. It's like penguins. If you want to, you know. Now, I'm not saying that we all... <laughs> I'm not saying that we'll set up all the chairs and we have two people to one chair and we'll all be like penguins keeping each other warm. We could cut the electricity bill because we wouldn't need heaters. But that's no, no. But it's, it's comfort in trials, isn't it? There's something beauty about it. Gospel, community, it's, it's connected and it's caring. It's a community that cares for the other. See, some of you might be right now avoiding life groups. Maybe you're avoiding the Sunday service. Maybe you're just avoiding it purely because you don't want to be convicted or you don't want your sin confronted with. When actually this is the very place that God has, it's one of God's means to actually grow us. There is beauty in the gospel community. Why is there beauty amidst your mess? The beauty of a gospel community is that it's a community that has been brought together by grace. It's been brought together by God's grace. And so we are a community of people who show grace to one another. We love and we care. And I think one of the best ways that you can be connected to and be cared for here and to care for others is to be in a life group. Now, it's very easy for you to, in, in, a, in a building this big, it's very easy for us to, on a Sunday morning, to disappear. And I feel that pain myself because I can't get to know every single one of you really well. I feel that. I yearn that. I want that. And yet I know I can't have it. But one of the best ways we can care and connect is in life groups here at Turngabby Baptist Church. A place where we're connected and where we care. I, I was reflecting on this this morning and I thought sometimes we go, you know what, I'm not happy that I'm not being cared for in church. Can I just tell you that's an individual reality of the 21st century that we're brought into? Imagine if we flipped it. Rather than going, I'm not being cared for, maybe we come and go, how can I care? It changes it, doesn't it? How can I come and how can I care? How can we, do you see how the, the God, the Father, God, the Son and the Holy Spirit, they're, they're constantly outward. Okay, deep and real. Gospel community is deep and real. You need it to flourish. And yet, living deeply with one another, it's actually hard. Why is it hard? Because it actually reveals to people who you are. You can, only, you know, you can cover up for half an hour on a Sunday over morning tea, can't you? You can cover up who you really are. But actually, gospel community, it actually, people are going to see how you talk to your wife at home. People will discover who you really are. 
You know, before I was married, I was living in my own place. I was batching. I had a house and I lived on my own for a reason because it's just easier. You can leave the pots in the sink for six weeks. You can leave the milk that goes off. You can leave it in there till it's coming out the door. It doesn't matter. No one cares. You can leave clothes on the floor. You can leave the seat up. There's lots of plenty of things you can do when you're a single bloke living at home. It was great. And I could just live however I wanted. Get married. The house gets decorated. You know, you can't leave pots and pans in the, in the sink for six weeks. You can't leave off milk in the fridge for six months. You, you, you can't leave the toilet seat up. There's, you know, there's heaps of lots of things you cannot do because you're in community. And then I've also realised that I, 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 you learn how selfish you are when you live with other people. Do you realise that? I, you know, I had one kid, Harvey. Life wasn't too bad. It's like, yeah, I can read my newspaper on a, Sunday, on a Saturday morning. I'd read the newspaper. Great, because he never sleeps. But you have two kids. It's like, oh, man. Can I get half an hour of the newspaper? Have three kids. You never read the newspaper again. Yeah, and, and you start to realise how selfish you really are. Because the community, it, it actually exposes us. We want to be deep and real. Deep gospel community does the same because we actually all come to Christ with bad habits and sinful behaviours. And I don't know about you, but I think sin in your own life is harder to spot yourself than for someone else to spot. And the best way to know yourself is to ask a friend, what do you see in my life? But I wonder, have you ever heard that expression or where someone says, you know what? You don't need to be part of a church community as long as I have my time with God at home. I don't need to come on a Sunday morning because it's okay. I'll get my Bible out. I'll sing a few songs on YouTube and it'll be okay. It's okay for me to just continually keep watching online. It's, it's okay for me. I, I listen to one of my favourite preachers on a Sunday morning on the TV. That will be enough for me. That's a lie that the devil wants you to believe. It's a lie that he wants you to believe. It's not good for us. We're designed, we're created for community, not isolation. Now, when I was living on my own, um, on TV, you had this great ad called um, Centrum. I think it was Centrum. You know, that, you know, you know multivitamins? That, you know how they advertise so well, it's in your face. It's like, yeah. And I thought to myself, you know what, this looks good stuff. So I thought, I'm going to take Centrum because surely it's going to make me sleep better. It's going to make me feel fit. I'm going to have more energy. And so I bought my Centrum and I started. It's a supplement, isn't it, right? See, a vitamin is a supplement to my diet, to my scrambled eggs and bacon, to my T-bone steak. It was a supplement to the main course. You know, you take a pill every day and it's, it's a supplement. And I still eat my T-bone steak with gravy, mashed potato, it's great, right? There's a supplement. But, but imagine, you know, six months later, I go, you know what? I'm going to give away the T-bone steak, the mashed potatoes, and I'm going to live off my vitamins. Centrum. Wow. You start popping a pill instead of eating scrambled eggs. How long on that supplement am I going to live? Have you ever thought about that? I reckon within a week, you know, it, it, it's not good for you to just live on a supplement when you can have steak. See, watching a sermon online doesn't replace gospel community. It's just a supplement to what you're already getting. 
And God's plan is for Christians to be in community. It was actually his plan for us to be in relationship with one another and with other believers. And deep and real community, it means we rub shoulders with each other. There's a, you know, as, as you scroll the Facebook feeds this week, as you, as you drive down the M2 and you have the billboards with all the advertising on it, you think, man, wouldn't it be great to go on, go on that holiday? Wouldn't it be great to feel that fit? Wouldn't it be great to be like that family on the beach who's at the Whit Sundays, who's got the husband and the wife and the three kids and they're all smiling and they've got a selfie and you think to yourself, man, they've got their whole life together. You know, everyone has it on Facebook, Instagram, scroll Instagram and you'll find photos of people who are feeling fit and well. They're loving their job with a smile. How great is my job? I have the blessed life. I've got this wonderful house. My kids are doing wonderful in sport. And yet five minutes beforehand, when that family took that photo on the beach, the husband was yelling at his wife and the kids were giving kidney punches to their brothers. And yet we see that and it's a fake facade. And it makes us think like we've got to have our whole life together like Facebook. But I want you to have a look at Romans chapter 12 verse 9. I'll be on the screen. Love is, love must be sincere. Love must be, another way you could put it is without hypocrisy. Love must be without hypocrisy. What Paul's saying here is that it's real. It's deep. One of my favourite actors, actually my favourite actor is Denzel Washington. I love his thrillers. I love any movie. I just, he just plays the part so well. You know, imagine this. Daniel, Denzel Washington wakes up in the morning. He has his breakfast, has his coffee. He's Denzel Washington at home. And then he gets on the movie set and he starts to play the character that he's meant to be. See, in the ancient world here, without hypocrisy, what they used to do in the ancient world was they would have acting. And you'd be at the front acting and you'd put a face mask on like this and you're playing that actor. And then you change the face mask to another actor and then you change to another. You're changing character. And what Paul's saying is don't live hypocrisy lives. Don't have a fake facade up. Gospel community is deep and real. It's a deep and real community that, that talks about the struggles of life. It's easy in a life group to say, life is going well, my job is great. And yet in the background, you're angry with your husband. Or you're struggling with being single. Or you're asked on a Sunday morning, how's your week been? It's been great. I've had a great week. My kids are going well. The sport's going well, their schooling's going well, my husband's job's going great. You answer, everything's going well, and yet every night when your husband goes to bed, you watch porn six nights a week. You're asked a question, what are you struggling with, with sin? And you don't know how to answer. Ask them, ask your friend, well, what do you see? And why do, we struggle, why do we struggle with being deep and real, with what we're struggling? Why do we refuse to talk about it? Why do we have these fears? I think we have a fear of being seen as a failure. We, we seen, have a fear of letting people down. 
We can be worried about people going to judge us. Maybe you feel like you're going to bring shame to the family name. Maybe it's it's all about good appearances, like looking like everything's going well, the high and moral self-righteous ground where you go, I have to look like I've got my whole life together. Surely I'm a Christian. And yet when we live like that, we're misrepresenting the gospel. Because I want to ask the question, how did you come to the cross? How did you come to Jesus? You came with empty hands with you, you, you came messed up. You came with dirt and baggage. See, yes, your addiction to porn may shock mum and dad and bring shame on their name. It may shock someone to think that you're yelling at your wife at home. But you know it won't shock Jesus? He's already paid for it. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ has paid for it all. And therefore, gospel community is deep and real about life. It's actually the opposite, isn't it, to Genesis 3. See, what happens in Genesis chapter 3 is that Adam and Eve, they sinned and they did three things. They felt ashamed, they hid, and they do what we're all good at, blaming others. They were naked and what did they try and do? They tried to cover themselves up. They tried to cover up their embarrassment. Maybe for you, you try to cover up that by serving faithfully every week at church, week in, week out, just trying to cover up that embarrassment. Or maybe you hide it like they did. We try to pretend that that thing did not ever happen. Or maybe we do the really easy thing, we blame other people. It's because of my mum and dad I behave this way. It's because Bill did this to me that I did this. Dwayne was a well-respected leader in his business, his community, his church and his family. What each of these groups didn't know was that Dwayne had a secret life which consisted of late nights out getting drunk and sleeping around. Once when confronted, in a lie, he sought to mask his sinfulness by following Adam's path. First, he felt shame, so he attempted to cover his sin with a host of good deeds Everything from serving as a church deacon to chairing the neighbourhood watch committee to volunteering to coach his child's little league team. He hoped that these good deeds would somehow make up for his failures. Secondly, he tried to hide it. He increasingly isolated himself, hoping to avoid having to confront the truth. And finally, he looked for someone to blame. His dad was an alcoholic. His career was stressful. His wife didn't seem to desire him anymore. Surely he was justified in his actions. And his continual sin led him to also become a hypocrite. Dwayne's story uncovers a reality that we all know too well. And to move beyond this, we need gospel community that is deep and real. We need a fresh understanding of the gospel of Christ so that it changes us. See, if that's you, if you're the Dwayne today, there is hope, there is forgiveness and there is grace for you today to come real and to fess up. It's okay because if you're in Christ, it's been paid for. 
We've been shown so much grace in Christ. We are redeemed. We are saved. And it's by God's grace that we mature. We flourish. But it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be that easy. It's actually going to be very awkward and hard. But most of all, we are a gospel community that exalts God. We exist to exalt God. In 1 Peter, Peter says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's treasured, his special possessions. Why? So that you declare the praises of the one who has brought you out of the kingdom of darkness and has brought you into the kingdom of his son. We are a community that exalts Christ. See, gospel community's main focus isn't about having your needs and your desires met, but about Christ being lifted up high. We exist for the glory of God. May we live in such a way as a church that our community, our gospel community provokes questions. It provokes questions in the suburbs that surround us. It provokes questions to those here in this suburb who go, why do these people live like this? And what do we say? Jesus. Why are they forgiving? Why are they so gracious? Jesus. We live in a city where people are putting on a fake facade. We live in a city where people are yearning for true and deep relationships and they don't know where to get it. May they see us flourishing because we're a gospel community. A reconciled community who who loves to humbly give, who's connected and caring, who's deeply real with each other, who loves to bring praise to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness in our life. Thank you for reconciling us to God. Thank you for reconciling us to you so that we are in relationship with you. Father, give us a bigger picture that we're, of where we're seated right now. But Father, also give us a bigger picture that we're reconciled to each other. Father, we want to be deep and real. Father, help us to come and to dive into church life here so that we can serve and give graciously because you first served and graciously gave to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the great things we can do now, though, is as a community who's been reconciled to God, is we can remember that. One of the things we need to do as we are deep and real is we need to be reminded of what Christ has done. It's, it's easy each week to forget that we've been reconciled to God, that we're seated in the heavenlies. It's easy to forget that we're equal. That it doesn't matter your, your skin colour, it doesn't matter your job profession, it doesn't matter what school you go to. As we come and eat and drink in a moment, we come purely because of what Christ has done for us. And so what we're going to do in a few moments is we're going to come and we're going to remember what Christ has done. This is a great picture of the gospel. As you eat the bread, be reminded that God provided. God the Father provided his Son. Come and eat. Come and drink on the juice and be reminded of the blood that Christ shed to appease the wrath of the Father.
As we come forward and eat, let's be reminded that we haven't done anything to deserve this. By coming forward, it's, it's not going to save you. Coming forward doesn't make you right with God. It reminds you of what Christ has done. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is, in a few moments, come forward, come and eat the bread, but also come and drink at the same time as well. Come and drink the juice. Now we've got three tables. We've got one at the back, two down the front. Up the back, I believe, is gluten-free. Um, so if you're gluten-free, please go up the back. But I encourage you to come. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, come eat and drink and be reminded. Or maybe actually, even in this moment, maybe in this moment you need to, maybe you realise there's something, maybe there's a broken relationship with someone here in this room. Maybe that's the time now to go and chat about it. Maybe that's you, I don't know. But what I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, come down and eat. If you're not, if you don't know Jesus yet, we can't wait till you say yes, so that you can join us in this meal as a reconciled person to God and to us. So please, come and eat and drink, and we're going to sing as well at the same time.